Hi everyone and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm podcast, episode 36, part 2. This is the second half of my interview with Kate from Kama Hemp. We recorded this episode at Kate and Marcus's farm in Clones, County Monaghan in Ireland. And we talked about organic farming, their journey from permaculture to organic hemp juice producers, and the troubles with bringing their product to the market. In the second part, Kate talks about the practices in the food industry, her background, the lack of research on hemp juice and raw cannabis plant, and of course, we talk a lot about food. But first, we talk about the taste of the hemp plant. I have tasted a fresh hemp juice before, and if you're not used to juicing at all and you don't know what that tastes like, this is what you can expect. It's not easy to eat now, I must say. It's very coarse, um, very fibrous plant. So we, in a way, we do need people to juice it for us. It is there. I do have to say, actually, I had juiced um, hemp leaves before. Yourself? For, for myself. Yeah. I obtained, a, a friend of mine gifted me a big bag of frozen hemp leaves mm. that he froze um, fresh from picking. Yeah. It went to freeze straight away mm -hmm. um, as it was picked. So he gifted to me. I was like, because I just acquired a juicer. It really tastes like grass. Yeah. Like yeah. I had to, yeah. I, it's, it, it makes you feel like you're really drinking something <laughs> that you just picked off the ground. So it is, it, it gets some getting used to. It does. It does. But it you does. can, you can almost feel how good it is as you're drinking yeah, it. Yeah. No, there's no question about that. And it's, um, it's a flavor we've never had before, so we do need to acquire the taste for well, it. Most of us aren't. I mean, in the modern day, we're so used to eating processed foods yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. having everything slaughtered in different sauces salt and, and sugar. And, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. most of us have no idea. We forgot how actually real food, food tastes of the yeah. ground yeah. tastes. But you actually. You started with hemp juice, and mm. now I see um, you also offer um, hemp capsules. Yeah. And very recently, you've now added um, the powder yeah. juice. Yeah. Now, that must have been some process, because mm. I, I can imagine, like we've been talking about the importance of choosing yeah. from fresh and mm. losing nutrients mm. if you don't do that so i cannot imagine how the hemp capsules and mm. especially the powder juice how that falls into that yeah. sort of ethos that must have been <clears> a serious <throat> process of finding a way to do this yeah it is without losing With, uh, yeah yeah no definitely definitely um and i suppose we had to find what that solution was and we cho chose, there are a number of different ways of drying um, food. Uh, well, f yeah, there are. Um, and you're right, if you use heat, you're going to um, cook the food. You're going to, it's, it's heat, is like, it's pasteurized. It. It's, you're going to pasteurize it if you, if you use a dehydrator to, which is what most, it's the cheapest way. Uh, Conventionally or industrially dehydrating and spray drying is another way as well. And that's so bad for the quality of the food. It just to push food through a massive pump like that just 
fractures it completely and destroys the nature of the food. Uh, and these things are so automatic in the food industry. We don't, well, most of us don't know actually um, how food is. My kids always used to um, look at those uh, YouTube clips of how how they put sausages into sausage casing and how they make sweeties and you kind of go oh my god that's horrific um you know and, and it was a real mind opener uh, my yeah my expose let's say of it is an expose of how um some of the industrial food is produced yes and so we were we were looking at um dehydrating because i know about dehydrating i have dehydrators here and yes uh, anything above 40 degrees and you're destroying it. you're cooking it you're cooking the food so it's like mm, yeah no that's that's too slow it's not gonna work um a spray drying no don't want to destroy the food no can't do that either no 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 um so we looked into the unfortunately for us the most expensive way to not surprising that it is the most expensive way because it is the most gentle actually um way is freeze drying so it's both freezing and drying. That's what freeze drying is. And it's very new in the food industry because it's expensive. It's not new. It's been around for a while, but it's not taken up on a broad, in a broad way because dehydrating and spray drying are all much cheaper. So um, we had to, we decided that freeze drying was the way to go, that it's the, has, creates the minimum minimum amount of damage to the food so you're creating something so dry that you uh the habitat for any bacteria to procreate is is gone it's so it's a break for it's a it's a food it's a shelf life extender actually without having to pasteurize so it was an obvious choice for us there's also um hpp have you heard of that it's high pressure pasteurization oh yeah. yes, yes yes yeah and i there's one hp tolling in the country so you can go along with your product and, and have it hpp'd actually that's uh, what paula uh, from skinny malinkis was talking to me about yeah. because that's what she's using to preserve her um, vegetable juices yeah, right, okay, uh, that she yeah. has on the market mm. and um, I believe the the one you were talking about that's the one in Dublin yeah. that she's using yeah. we, we did we did look at HPP we looked at it very carefully and um, for us the powder was or the freeze drying was definitely um, a way to reach the market a wider market rather um, without compromising if you an- analysed it before and analyze it after freeze drying there's very little um, nutritional change so it doesn't disrupt the um, interfere with the nutritional benefit of the plant it's a, it's a really great way of preserving food that's incredible and mm. i suppose this is really good news for people who do want to get the benefits of your juice yeah. because i certainly know from my perspective when i travel mm-hmm. and i say i take probiotics and my yeah. probiotics are liquid mm-hmm. and it's really difficult to travel for a longer period oh. of time and take all your liquid of probiotics yeah, with you because you course. can't do that especially yeah. if you want to travel mm-hmm. with just hand luggage yeah. um so mm-hmm. being able to if somebody takes your juice daily for whatever benefits they're doing it it's much handier to be able to take a bag of juice powder it is than having to carry bunches of frozen, frozen. I can I can see why you added it mm. to your market. It mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. benefits a lot of the customers yeah. that are already taking your juice. Yeah. And what about the C B D capsules or the hand capsules? What was the idea behind that? I suppose it was a way of controlling the dose. 
um, the powder is strong. It's different to the juice. And you see, we're the only people in the world doing organic hemp juice. There is one other company. There's, there's a few other people coming in now um, after whatever. This is our sixth harvest this year. 2019 was our sixth harvest. Um, there's a couple. After six years, there's a couple more. But predominantly, there's us, which is organic, and then another company in Holland, which are not organic. Um, so so the juice that's in our freezer at the moment is the only organic hemp juice that's in the world. So um, we have to value that. And we also have to see that there is a tremendous amount of benefit, a tremendous amount of benefit. Um, and to limit that to just our little network of people seemed seems a little bit unfair we do want to get more people taking it because it is so beneficial um so powder is definitely the easiest way to do that because the process is expensive the freeze drying is expensive and it added a lot of um value added let's say onto the product we thought okay well we'll just put it in capsules so that it won't be we can put I think we initially had 70 in the caps. I don't know why 70, but anyway, we initially had 70 in our jars. It was a way of getting it out there as a dried product. But I, I think actually, um, yeah, no, no, it's still a good idea to to create the dosage. And we have done that with the powder as well. I mean, because you can't take too much. It is strong. And uh, yeah, so some people, actually, you know what? Some people don't like the taste of it. It's strong a flavor and they rather just knock it back. I suppose you need to know what it is you're offering to your customers and you need to know the ins and outs. It must have been quite daunting to suddenly study all this and and the whole... Because I don't know... What's my background? What is your background? (laughs) Okay, because even coming to farming, I mean, you said you never farmed before and suddenly learning about permaculture and growing everything. Yeah. It must have been quite shock to the system and, and yet you're now... Look at what you've created. Yeah. You know, yeah. you guys have created an amazing world, and I know Marcus obviously had background in farming, but for you coming to this and studying the benefits mm. of hemp, something that wasn't really, especially hemp juice, something that wasn't really big at the time. No, 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 yeah, around yeah. here. Is something in your background that was helpful with mm. the whole process? Oh no, 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 my background is totally irrelevant. I studied. Archaeology in UCD. Oh, wow. Yeah, so completely. It's not irrelevant. No, it's not. And it's never irrelevant to educate yourself. I don't mean that. But it had no impact on what I knew. It didn't benefit me apart from... Actually, I was very... I was a practical person. I am a practical person. So there's a huge amount of knowledge that you don't even realise after whatever... 10 or 15, 20 years of growing your own food, you there's an innate knowledge there that actually goes beyond sowing and planting. Um, you know what's good for you. And you know what's good for your family. Uh, yeah. So there's... I mean, I'm not saying you know everything or I knew everything or know everything. I'm, I don't mean that. But there's a confidence there in... Well, in my own ability to provide for my family, to provide food for my family. So you can trans transpose that confidence onto my ability to create a food for anyone, actually. 
um, it, I, I would be very confident about that, that I can do this. But really fundamental to that is, to the knowledge that we have, is our desire to educate ourselves, actually, and to never stop. Um, there is an awful lot of scientific evidence out there um, about cannabis, about the health benefits of cannabis. Um, and that's great, but there's no, you're right, there is no information out there about hemp juice. None. Apart from William Courtney, um, I haven't seen very many, I haven't seen any, there's no point in pretending there's, there's is any, there isn't, um, document, documents on the values of hemp juice. Um, never seen a written paper on the values of hemp juice, no. I must confess. And it's um, to be scientists out there. Um, yeah. This is the area maybe you should be looking We're putting into. out the call. There's no question about it. The hemp industry or the cannabis industry. So it comes back to, remember I said in America they do, they grow uh, horticulturally. So they have lovely clean lines and they, they plant out little plants. Um, and after that, then the plants are all dried. So there's no wet processing of the plant. And this is what's traditional in the cannabis industry. And when I say the cannabis industry, I'm talking very broadly about in in, in the US, uh, medical marijuana has been legal for our recreational or whatever. Both actually the same. So it's the same process to create a medical marijuana product or a recreational marijuana product. You dry your marijuana plants. So that knowledge and information has been brought over and applied to the hemp industry. Um, so that's what I mean. There's no wet processing. Everything is dried. That's what happens. That's how you create CBD is by drying your plant material. So our process is wet. Is wet. We don't dry. We do dry some. But for juice, we don't dry. Um, so the understanding that in the cannabis industry is that have you heard of decarboxylation no okay that your thc or your cbd has to be decarboxylated it's for want of a better word it's cooked mm. dried heated um so the plant changes from its raw so CBDA is the raw version of CBD. So it still has this acid tail attached to it. Um, so it is, a, it is a little bit more acidic um, in, its, uh, in its raw form. The industry has propagated this idea. It's just happened. It's not bad. It's just the way it is. Um, has propagated the idea that you have to decarboxylate. You have to get rid of that A, the acid tail, in order to make CBD. Um, in order to make the product. But that's not... In order to make... To, in order to extract, rather, the oil, um, it has to be decarboxylated. But it that's... One has come from the other because because all the hemp is dried or all the cannabis is dried, decarboxylation has already happened. There's been no there's been no material available to the scientists to study other than dried hemp. They have had no exposure to fresh hemp, um, to fresh hemp products because there's none on the market. 
Um, so they were pushed, the scientists, the, the, the researchers were pushed into just looking at decarboxylated hemp um, or CBD or THC, whatever it was they were studying. They only had access to the decarboxylated version, not the fresh, raw version. So that's what became, that's what's predominant. That's what's been studied um, predominantly, dried hemp or dried processed CBD oil or THC oil. You can't get oil out of the plant. It's very difficult to get oil out of the plant without drying it first. That's what you have to do. So there's a perception that the plant has to be decarboxylated in order to extract the benefits but that's not actually true and a decarboxylation happens in your body anyway if you take something raw and eat it it's going to decarboxylate in your body and it's very um, wasteful to have that decarboxylation happen outside your body well you know because it's going to happen inside why not have it happen inside that would Mm. be really interesting to see some studies to compare I would love to see it and, and definitely to put out the call Uh, especially when we only know from experience. I mean, experience is very, 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 very valuable. Um, And we are definitely experiencing the opposite to what the industry, the cannabis industry, is propagating. We are actually experiencing the opposite of that. That CBDA in its raw form is really valuable because... It is water soluble, and that's really fundamental. Yeah, this is this is something I'd really like to see a study mm. that would compare that. that. That's really interesting. Mm. I suppose if there's anybody out there listening to this and knows of any study that has done that, comparing dried um, hemp or cannabis yeah. versus fresh mm-hmm, hemp or mm-hmm. cannabis. And with the impact of CBD and all the other other cannabinoid compounds are to the human body, I'd really love to see a comparison yeah. of what it does because mm-hmm. that is definitely yeah, and, 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 an unbiased view. I mean, of course yeah. I'm biased. Of course I'm biased. <laughs> There's no question about that. It needs to be a third party. Yeah. Definitely needs to be a third party. We can't do it. All there we can is do so is gather information. We, we don't know yeah. about... Because yeah. uh, there are yeah. so many compounds in hemp and only a few of them have mm. been studied to mm. date. I mean, mm. there is now CBG is being studied yeah. and that's been only the last couple of yeah. years. So uh, there's definitely so much more that needs to be done with regards to um, to um, studies mm. and, and experiments mm. um, to see what all these compounds are doing. But it's definitely yeah. an interesting point. I uh, would like to ask you, with, with all this, you're obviously looking at what you guys are growing and how you've been eating and you've been talking about juicing before you even went growing the hemp. Mm. I don't even need to ask you about your lifestyle and your diet because I can see that you guys are growing your own food, you eat fresh. Um, it's literally almost from ground to mouth, yeah. which is the, yeah. the way the human beings were yeah. designed to be. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we're mm-hmm. so far removed from that. So I don't really need to ask you about what you eat and how you eat because I can see it all around us. Yeah. But um, tell me this, apart from hemp, although I could allow hemp if that's your favorite thing, but... Do you have a favorite vegetable <laughs> mm. that you really, really like? Um, maybe in this particular season, because I guess you're a very yeah. seasonal person. Yeah, I, <laughs> I love French beans. 
Oh my god, I love you for saying that because I am obsessed with French beans. I absolutely love them. They are, I love they are them. so versatile. This, oh, completely, completely. But even just that mouth thing of French beans. I do you sometimes I, like the squeakiness? I sometimes, do you know, I, I'm one of these Look, weird... I have them here. I, I know, I noticed that actually. And I'm one of these weird people that I kind of literally steam a big bunch of French beans. Yeah. And just eat have them, them on their own. Right there with you. Love it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. My partner always looks at me like, what <laughs> are you dinner? eating? That's my snack and I'm just munching on French beans. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've been known to just have French beans for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I, I love you for that. This is amazing. At least I'm not the only one. No, 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 no. No, I love French beans and I love salad. Anything freshly, any leaf, I would call it. <laughs> no, not any leaf, but... Um, you know, lettuce is so boring. Do you know, there's so many different lettuces that actually you don't get the opportunity in the supermarket to, to have. There's food ca- uh, seed catalogs. Oh, they're great. I love them. Um, there's so many more seed varieties or food varieties out there available to a grower mm. um, than there is what's available in the supermarket. See, I only discovered through... Helen's Bay Organic Farm about two years ago I discovered endive mm, lettuce yeah and it's I, I, I mean I love anything bitter yeah so it's very I, I, absolutely I love it mm. and that's that was like my I was eating it the whole winter whenever yeah. it was in season it mm. was just like me a big head of endive yeah. every week yeah and I would, and because it lasts, it's actually one of those, it's, it's surprisingly like when I wrap it in, in cloth and mm-hmm. put it in the fridge, it really lasts mm-hmm. the whole week and it's yeah. still fresh. It's it a good one. It doesn't go soggy. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. And mm-hmm. I never knew it existed before. It was <laughs> just like, I saw it at their store and I, what is that? That looks amazing. I'm mm-hmm. going to try it. And now I can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we all need bitters are really important in our diet and we're, we're so... Uh, devoid we our tongues are so polluted by salt and sugar well, yeah. sugar in particular and oh, don't make it be started. Yeah. We, we could talk about uh, an hour, another couple of hours ranting no about sugar <laughs> yeah I know I know it's terrible stuff um, but yeah uh, French beans are, they're, they're my favourite um, I love cabbage too I love making sauerkraut are you a vegetarian? I'm not but I I think it's fair to say that pretty much 90% of yeah. my diet it's it's completely it's, no, plant yeah, based. Yeah. Yeah, well we we are and and funny maybe that's what you were asking me I don't know um where we've been vegetarian for a long time. But it was a gradual um giving up. Uh, I think we we have a philosophical understanding of it now that yeah, I I wouldn't I'm not a vegan but I completely Sim, I'm a, a, I sympathize. I completely sympathize with. Um, I understand the industrial production of dairy products is pretty bad for the animals. I completely understand that, and I don't generally eat dairy. Um, but I do think there is a place for animals on a farm. So I can't entirely agree with veganism because they they the philosophy would be that we don't have the right to. Uh, use animals for our own benefit and I don't quite agree with that yeah this is a very I feel this is a very current and a bit mm. con- for vegans certainly very controversial topic and yeah. I and I do agree with you there I think it's there is a lot of misconceptions and mm. misunderstanding mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. and that's actually something I am hoping to tackle on my podcast and that's certainly something we need to talk about yeah definitely definitely yeah for sure um but we do need animals 
not not necessarily for their meat products or even their dairy products they are the natural cultivators of the soil actually they naturally um the soil naturally benefits from their being there actually well i suppose if a person wants to eat the meat well that's i'm not making any judgment on that but live, live and let live like the animal has a cycle and and the earth has a cycle and the actually for me it's irrelevant actually what happens to the animal is kind of irrelevant um, to the value of the animal the value of the animal is completely connected to the condition of the soil that's what's valuable about the animal it's not the byproduct the, the animal is not the byproduct the animal is the, is the husband is the husband we're not husbanding animals they're husbanding the soil the it is part of the cycle and it is important we can't just wipe them off and there's an understandable reaction to industrial farming no question about that in it's very understandable and that subject needs to be that subject the needs to be talked about the thing about that is i think there is a lot of no matter what beliefs or what diet you're yeah. on i think it upsets everybody, everybody. it upsets a it's lot taboo. of people it's taboo it's taboo and I, I think a lot, I certainly know a lot of people who do eat meat regularly mm. who are really upset about yeah. uh, industrial yeah. farming. Yeah. Our need for actually um, industrialized, industrialized produced meat and dairy, we definitely need to relook at that. There's no question about it. And, and great if our choice, like mine, was to eliminate it. That was my choice. But it's not always, that's not going to be the choice that everybody's going to make. And yeah, we have to respect that. But they, for everybody's benefit, every single individual's benefit, we need to look at industrial farming. But back to the beans. Back to the beans. So yeah. You grow, you grow your own beans, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a recipe with with French beans? That's you really put me on the spot there, because uh, <laughs> I'm a very reluctant chef, really reluctant. Um, I have fed my children and that was my duty. (laughs) (laughs) And I followed various recipes down through my life and was perfectly capable. And my mother was a great teacher. And I had the fundamentals and I knew, I know how to cook. I know how to cook. But actually I've come further. I've gone further and further and further away from cooking. Um, What would be my recipe for um, beans? Well, I am very much... uh, Simple is best. Absolutely simple. I would just steam them. I don't. I don't like them when they're long. When they're left long, I. I it's very. It's very lazy to just leave them long. Um, I like to cut them up into little. It's very lazy of me to leave them long. Uh, so I like to cut them up into little bite-sized pieces and steam them, and just a little bit of salt and pepper and a little bit of olive oil. Perfect. They couldn't be nicer. Just serve that them like amazing. that. Yeah. And do you know actually, unlike you, I like them long oh yeah right okay I just, I just eat them and sometimes i make like a little either pesto or a little roast oh red yeah. pepper dip yes. or something and yes, i yes. use them for dipping, dipping. yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah, yes. amazing you're right that definitely but do you know what this is really good recipe and the beauty is that that it is really simple, simple. anybody there's mm. no excuse no like, there isn't go grab a bag of organic french beans if you don't grow them yourselves and it, it takes literally like yeah. less than five minutes better again go and buy a seed packet of french beans and just and see them. what happens you can go yeah. five or six of them in a nice big pot uh, and sitting outside on your 
patio or whatever and see what happens. And they're lovely growing. You know, they, they climb and they're, they're, well, you can get dwarf ones as well, but they climb up. They're really productive. Incredibly See, productive. See, we eventually moved to a house with a garden. This is one of the first things I want to grow. Mm. French, French beans. beans. <laughs> and I want a herb patch. You need to just remember, it's important to remember that it takes time to cultivate a bit of soil, to create a, a, a productive piece of soil. And you start small. You can't do it all in one go because it's too much work. Um, what I do is with my rooms, let's say, I don't use every room every year. So I close the doors occasionally and put a blanket on it and leave it there. Okay, there's nettles growing and there's weeds or docks or whatever this particular year, but they're very deep rooted. Well, nettles aren't, but docks are. They're very deep rooted. They bring up nutrients from the soil from deeper down and actually letting weeds grow Letting the garden take over occasionally is... Letting nature, I mean, take over occasionally is important in the whole cycle. Um, I'm, I'm, when, I see, when I say docks, I'm talking about every weed. Everything has a use. Um, and we should let plants um, go through their whole cycle. And so do you have the same attitude when it comes to growing hemp? About weeds? Hmm. Well, weeds are definitely a problem when you're um, an issue, a problem, an issue, whatever. Uh, when you're um, a grower, yeah, you always have to deal with weeds. Yeah, no, there's no getting away from weeds. Um, spraying with herbicides to get rid of the weeds isn't the answer. It's convenient. That's all. It's convenient. We we need to be. We need to look at all plants. They're all important. And um, we can't just eradicate a species because it's in the way. We can't, can't do that. It's not the natural so order of things. Are there any particular issues or any particular weeds that could be problematic when you're growing ham? Yeah, um, red shank is a real problem. It is a real terrible problem. Um, and the variety that we grow, um, Fanola, is a dwarf variety. So if you don't get your planting dates right, if you get if you're out of sync. Uh, your red shank can take over very, very quickly. Um, because that's the that's the beauty of the Irish weeds. They're unstoppable. Uh, if you get if you don't get the timing right, um Irish weeds they don't suffer the same way as a cultivated plant will. And and I suppose that there's a you could I don't want to go back to creation or anything, but you could question whether um the selection of plants has been the correct selection. I mean, we have selected for more production, um, you know, heavier cropping, anything, French beans, whatever. They've all been selected for that, not for um, their beauty, not for, well, it, well, ornamental stuff, yes, but not for um, their strength, not for their ability to... Um, withstand Irish weather, for instance. So we're, we might be getting seeds that were propagated in South France. They're not actually the proper seed for here, really. So we have to treat those plants a little bit more carefully. Um, what we really should be doing is creating the um, land races for our own piece of land. We can't control everything. But we can create, we can help nature, um, we can cultivate nature to create the best possible food for us. Um, 
if you take that idea of control out of it, you get a very different farmer, let's say. Um, so actually, this is a very good point you made, talking about you know using seeds that may have been propagated in a different country and mm-hmm, different climate, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you're trying to grow a plant from those seeds here in Ireland, where the climate is very different. Mm-hmm. How did you select mm. um, initially the strain of hemp that you were going to yeah. grow in here? Mm. And... Did you have to change along the way, mm. or and how do you get your seeds now? Well, I suppose you're growing organically, so presumably you have your seeds from your crop, or does it not work that no, way? Actually, let's actually talk doesn't. A bit about yeah. That. Um, well, first of all, we we grow. We've tried a couple of different, a uh, good number of different varieties of hemp, um, and a lot of it is the end use is important to the variety that you choose, right? Like, you're not going to choose um, a cooking apple when you want to sell fresh apples. So you have to choose the variety that's suitable for you, for your end use. Um, so we, uh, initially, we're growing fibre. We were growing for fibre. So we were growing huge, big, tall plants that were 12 feet high, right? like uh, so three metres. Building materials. Yeah, for building yes. materials, yeah. So you end up with these really very, very tall, straight plants with very little canopy, except at the very, very top, maybe 18 inches. So, you know, out of 12 foot, you've got 18 inches of plant material up there. So when you go into the field, um, or if you were standing at the edge of the field, let's say, all you would see is a wall of very narrow, thin, narrow um, stems of plant. Uh, and that, those varieties, those, they are generally, uh, they take longer to grow. They need longer to grow. They're, they're bigger plants, they're taller plants. Um, and they were ideal, and they are ideal rather for fibre. Um, we, in Ireland, there's a very, well, we do a little bit of fibre. But actually, what I really meant, what I really, when I say fibre, well, I'm really thinking of cloth, actually. There's very little um fibre produced for cloth in the western world actually it's all moved to eastern europe and china and india and it's gone east um because labor is cheaper which is a terrible atrocity the long fiber the long long tall plants uh they take um 120 days from sowing to maturity uh so that can be a little tricky in ireland 120 days is four it's four months and from start to finish, you're kind of looking at harvesting in October, September, October. And the weather can change really quickly. It's already, I mean, there was frost already now this morning. Well, we had frost last week already. So once that happens, once there's frost, all the um, annual plants, all the annual plants, the end of most annual plants, they're finished. The annual plant has obviously had to produce its seed in that time. The perennial plant has also produced seed, but it's there. It's losing its leaves or if it's conifer, it holds on some, whatever. We looked at the tall varieties and they weren't good for our use because, one, they're too tall. You can't handpick. We handpick everything and if 12 feet up in the air, your arms are going to be exhausted. So we said, no, that's not what we want to grow. And we chose a variety called um, Fanula, Fanola, that uh, is a short dwarf variety, short season and short growing. 
it's perfect for us but it's not a fibre plant so you're not going to get any fibre out of it or very little um, so yeah we actually we don't there is no organic fanula so we have to get a special we have to get a derogation for, for buying seed that isn't organic because from there's two different things at play here one is the um, the hemp licence we have to buy from a specialist seed grower for a hemp license it has to be from a variety that is on the list in europe there's a list of 20 different varieties and if it's not on that list you cannot grow it it is illegal so um there is nobody on that list there's no there's no producer of uh, organic fanula so we don't have any choice someday maybe there will be organic fanula but so um and and then again on on top of that we would love dearly to be able to develop our own seed for the soil here but again we can't do that because we need to be a certified developer seed developer in order to do that we would love to do that um it, it's the natural progression of what we do. I mean, I say, well, look, this, these are all for next year's seeds. I haven't bought French bean seed in years. I haven't bought a garlic seed in years. I haven't bought carrot seed in years. Parsnips, they just keep coming up. Yeah. I haven't bought kale in years. So, yeah, there's still... The, I, I always buy the annual stuff. Like, um, what, I mean, uh, what I mean by annual is the leaf, leaf material, like lettuce and stuff. I hardly ever sow. I hardly ever keep lettuce seed. My... Winter purslane keeps coming year after year. I don't have to sow that. There's ways around it in, on a on a small scale that that's very easy to manage. But for us, unfortunately, we can't do that. We 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 would love to, and we will try. We'll always try our own little trials, but we can't do it on a large scale. I suppose the licensing for hemp products is a little bit tricky in other aspects as mm. well. Like when you develop a new product, do you have to go through any rigorous licensing process or testing process when it comes to? A new product before you start selling it to the public your thinking is on medical and on medicine ours is food um yes of course we analyze we know exactly how much cbd is in there um we not on every given day that's that's not true i'd love to be able to analyze every single day but we can't um but we're working towards it um but so we have to just take um, a, uh, we have to just speak in general terms. That, uh, yes, of course, from the beginning of our harvest to the end of our harvest, the amount of CBD is going to be different. But that's also the case with um, an orange. I'm always talking about oranges. Um, the amount of CBD, uh, sorry, the amount of vitamin C in an orange is going to change depending on its ripeness or under ripeness. Um, depending on the soil and what the yeah how much sunshine you yeah. got yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's understandable yeah. yeah so as long as your orange producer is producing a safe orange for you to eat and nutritionally oranges are good for us um, it's okay yeah. it's food we we need to just trust that there's not it's it's fine but when you're producing CBD oil. That's a different That's ball a different game. It's a completely game. different ball game. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Um, but we're not producing CBD oil when we're selling juice. It's juice. Uh, it's, just, it's just juice. It's just food. So let's just finish this off with, if somebody would like to buy your juice, mm. where can people find you? Where can, how can people contact you? And do you offer samples for people to test it out? We don't, unless other than somebody coming to the door, and I would often offer a, a 
person who's a little bit like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, uh, would they like to taste it? And so, yeah, that does happen. Um, but I can't do that on a broad scale. It can only happen at the door. Um, www.camahemp.com is the website. Uh, you can order there, although we can't take a credit card payment, unfortunately. Um, but but you can our phone number's up there, our email's up there. You can definitely contact us. We sell most of our juice directly ourselves, most of it. There's a number of small, uh, there's a number of shops rather around the country that also sell. Yeah. They're, oh yeah, there's a subscription. Actually, I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, if somebody wants to buy, the most economical way of buying a box of juice is from, if you, oh, you can go to a shop and you can buy one sheet, but we can't sell it as one single unit at a time. Not the frozen. It needs, because it's going in the post, Unless you're calling to the door. If it's going in the post, um, there is a minimum order of six units, six sheets of juice. So um, that's expensive. So the postage for six is the same as the postage for 14. So you're actually better off buying a bigger box. But that's a little bit tricky um, for some people because it's a lot of money to spend. So then we, we say, okay, well, put down some money and then you can pay for the rest of it over a period of time and we'll send it out to you straight away so that's a good way of, of helping people get around the initial not all of us has whatever 400 quid at any given time in the week um, but that 400 is enough juice for eight months so you know you wouldn't go and buy uh, eight months of coffee it would cost a hell of a lot um, you just wouldn't do it so you have the opportunity with coffee to buy it by the day or by the week or whatever but with our juice because it's frozen we have to send we have to make sure it arrives to our consumers our customers frozen so yeah. it's a yeah so that and that that will that's sort of shows you why we had to freeze dry why we had to create a powder just so that it could be easier for people they can try one bag of powder whereas, whereas you can't do that with the juice unless you come to the door now you're based in in in, in Clothes, County Monaghan, uh, mm -hmm. in the Republic of Ireland. Mm -hmm. Do you post abroad? Just the UK and Ireland. So again, the beauty of living on the border, we are nearest post office in Northern Ireland is just three miles away. Our nearest post office in the Republic is a mile and a half away. So you know, it's very handy for us. We can we need to guarantee next day delivery. So we we use the postal service actually for that because they are the most reliable actually from our yeah. experience maybe a fraction dearer but most the most reliable so uh, definitely we can't afford to lose juice we can't afford to have it not delivered on time so the post office do that job for us um in the uk and northern ireland yes we have subscribers from the uk and northern ireland and the republic yeah but we can't go further afield. We can't. It's too expensive to go if you for next day delivery in Europe. That's an arm and a leg. Actually, I don't even think. No, I think they. It's two days. So then you have to put dry ice in, and does a dry ice cost? And suddenly, what's four hundred euros is like, you know, nine hundred. It's like well, that's ridiculous. Nobody's going to buy that. So customers from UK, Northern Ireland, yeah. and the Republic of Ireland, yeah. you can go on to www.camahemp.com. Uh -huh. um, are you using, do you use social media where people could follow you and perhaps yeah. contact you and look up what you Oh, we do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Instagram, oh my God. I think it's camahemp.com, uh, at camahemp. And we have a Twitter account. So you are on Instagram, Facebook and, um, and Twitter. Twitter, yeah. 
That's brilliant. And if anybody wanted to contact you on either of through either mm-hmm. of these um, social media platforms or send you an email via your website, can they contact you with any questions regarding yeah. your two your products? Absolutely can. We're delighted to um, answer anyone's question. Yeah, absolutely. We Fantastic. love answering questions. Brilliant. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thank great. you. Yeah, thank you very much too for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you. Yeah. We could have talked for much, much longer because when it comes to benefits of a plant like hemp, there is so much to talk about. And um, I also wanted to find out more about hemp as a building material, but perhaps I can revisit Kama Hemp and have a chat with Marcus um, some other time. Otherwise, this podcast would run for another two or three episodes. If you'd like to know more about Kama Hemp Juice, go to www kamahemp.com k-a-m-a hemp.com and you can find more information there Uh, you can either order capsules or hemp juice powder or if you are local to ireland or the uk you can try um, the frozen freshly pressed hemp juice if you have any more questions for kate you can find Kamahemp on social media and facebook instagram and twitter and you can catch up with her there Kate's simple steamed green beans recipe can be found along with all our previous shared recipes on our Facebook page in the file section and also on Instagram in our post announcement for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast and if you did please leave us a comment on SoundCloud or social media or even better leave us a review and some feedback on iTunes. Your opinion really does matter to us, uh, but it's also a way for this podcast to find wider audience and get in front of as many ears as possible. And um, that's it for this episode. Have a lovely week. If you can, try some hemp juice and more importantly, stay healthy. Until next time. Bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot, music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.